We're looking for a house too on top of everything else we're doing. Oh my gosh. We put an offer in somewhere and I told my family and they were all like, you know what you have to do to sell your house, right? And I was like, yes, I do. And I like almost had to call you immediately because I don't know if it's a thing in your family, but in my- Oh, is this a saint thing or something? Yeah. You have to bury a statue of St. Joseph upside down in your front yard to help your house sell. I mean, that feels so Catholic to me, but I don't think I know that one. It's like half Catholic, half witch. As the best stuff kind of falls into that category. (laughs) Yeah. I don't have anything for buying a house, but I can get you through selling a house with the Catholics. It helps that the market's kind of a seller's market right now. So St. Joseph will have a little nudge, little help with (laughs) the economy and St. Joseph together. They're going to do it. I'm Ann McNamee-Keels. And I'm Stephanie Shavera. And this is Lapsed. A podcast about growing up Catholic. And today we are catching up with Catholicism in the news. Yeah, it's been like a month, maybe over a month since we've done Catholicism in the news. We've been very busy. We have. And I keep like, you know, um, flagging things for myself like, oh, got to talk about this. It keeps happening. And then uh, <laughs> now I've got a backlog. Oh, good. I feel like I kind of get rid of things that we feel like, well, we didn't talk about it this week. It's gone. I know. So we'll see what we we don't have to dig up old history, but you know, (laughs) there's things we want to talk about. We can. But how are you doing, Steph? Oh, good. Uh, Experiencing the full joy of being pregnant in the summer. (laughs) Joy is a great, great, inaccurate word for that. Mm -hmm. Although I am, again, very glad to, to be in this state when I can still go outside, mm-hmm. I think I would be a mess if I was like winter housebound. That's true. I have been the pregnant lady walking on the ice and uh, it's not fun. I don't recommend that. No. no. <laughs> Happens. You got to do it. But you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> well, that is all very exciting. Is your big Catholic family like so all excited for you? Oh, yeah. Everyone's very happy and you know, I'm at that stage where everyone's just walking up to me and saying, because we decided not to find out what we're having. Mm-hmm. So everyone just keeps coming up to me and pronouncing things <laughs> upon my my belly. People do. And listen, watch out for those older ladies who've had a couple kids because they're usually right. Oh. I found in my experience, if you notice a trend, I was working in schools at the time when I was, I don't remember which kid I was pregnant with. And I would just have random teachers who I didn't even know like women in their 60s, 70s come up and be like, so you're having a boy. And I was like, (gasps) this was like before I found out. Then after I found out, I was like, they were all correct. That's crazy. And, you know, in real life, as far as we know, the kids are continuing to identify as boys. So they continue to be correct. That's also part of it. Like for now, (laughs) it's a long game, really. There's the initial (laughs) finding out and then there's the long, long game finding out. Right. Exactly. How are you kids out? school for summer yes it is officially summer break my kids are currently on screen so I'm really rocking this thing um we are getting ready we're getting ready to go to Disneyland in California 
So it is crazy vacation packing mode over here. I was thinking about this ahead of time and I was like, is there any way to connect Disney to Catholicism? I didn't think of a ton of things. I mean, Hmm. plenty of Catholics go to Disney for sure. Sure. There's all kinds of toxic messages. You could probably find all kinds of like. Oh, yeah. Obsessions with virginity, I feel like you could find in both places. uh, Oh, yeah. Deconstructing some Disney princess stuff. If you really want to get into it. If you really wanted to, if we were writing a, a thesis on this. The one thing I did think of, so my older son, within six months, went from like barely being able to read a word to like reading full chapter books like a maniac. It's Mm. the human brain is really fascinating in that way. Like all of a sudden he can read. (laughs) So a very sweet older neighbor just saw my kids outside and went and handed them a bunch of books, a bunch of little golden books from, from probably like the 1970s. And I was like, oh, thank you. And one of them was disney's robin hood which was my favorite so it was my i mean i watched it it was my husband's favorite too as a child and then my son blew through the book like read the whole thing like a champ and then was like wait this is a movie i want to watch this they know very little disney so i'm kind of pushing disney movies right now because they actually get excited they know what's (laughs) happening so they're like what's what's going on this place so he watched all of robin hood and loved it but i was like oh Robin Hood would be the Catholic thing. And I Googled, like, was Robin Hood Catholic? Sure was. Yeah, that was back in Catholic England. Yeah, and I had to spend some time with the general Robin Hood myth toward the end of, I think it was actually the last show I worked on when I was being an education director at a theater company. Not the Disney version, obviously, but Robin Hood in general. Right. So I was kind of looking a lot at the Robin Hood stuff. I mean, I think the... The paradox of Robin Hood, like on the one hand, stealing from the rich to give to the poor is pretty cool. Yeah. On the other hand, Robin Hood was a King Richard stand and King Richard was like, Mr. Killed a lot of Jews. Crusaders. He was gone because of the crusade. That's why the other king was in place. Prince John. Yeah. So there's some complexity there. You want to root for Robin Hood. You want to be like, yeah, let's let's steal from the rich to give to the poor. And then you're mm-hmm. like, oh, you're like a pro-crusade guy. So that's, oh. that's complex. <laughs> it's very hard to find somebody from history that you're like, yeah, you got all the things right. I mean, it would just have to be a very oppressed person, I think. That's true. <laughs> Even then, everyone, lots of people <laughs> are problematic, but you know, not people whose stories were recorded, frankly, usually. That's true. That's true. As you said that, I just thought of, I'm guessing you've seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail. You know what? I mean, I generally know the reference, but I don't feel like I've like, I don't know that I ever actually sat down and watched the whole thing. Well, Well, I'm not as familiar as you probably are. I mean, I highly recommend it. Sure. There's just a part where there's a surf and it's like a whole thing. It's like, help, help, I'm being oppressed. And they go into this whole like lengthy takedown of government and why King Arthur uh, should not be the leader because people coming out of lakes handing random people swords is not a good system of government. And it just <laughs> probably <laughs> made me think of the moment. No, no. Yeah. Well, if you have any time this summer. I yeah, okay, I will. We should like ass- we could assign each other films that yes, would be kind of fun. Yes, Maybe please. do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think this just proves this point that if you like dig hard enough into any area, there's something around Catholicism <sighs> that you will find. It was everywhere. It really. Yep. <laughs> oh, I guess like Hunchback, Hunchback of Notre Dame is also a Catholic thing. I mean, it takes place in a Catholic church. Yeah. The, and the whole Mardi Gras <laughs> thing. If we're looking at the Catholic yeah. canon in Disney, but I don't feel like Hunchback really ever did very well. No, I never watched it. 
I saw it as a kid. I feel like I was kind of old, but like my mom was like, we need to go see this Disney movie. And we saw it in the theater and it was like, okay, it's kind of depressing. I read the book. I was very into like Alexander Dumas and Victor Hugo in mm-hmm. my high school years. I was like, yes, I have to read the novel version of Les Miserables and I have to read The Hunchback of Notre Dame. So I was very. I love high school Stephanie. I'm into this. I oh God, such a dork. It's a whole vibe and I'm enjoying it. <laughs> But yeah, now I'm reading mostly all the Sue Grafton books at this moment because that's what my brain is really into. Great. Yeah, we've taken a turn. It's fine. Before you know it, you will be like deeply in a year or so in, you know, like Daniel Tiger's neighborhood or where. I love a Daniel Tiger. Give it to me. Get ready. There's there's a lot out there. Can't wait. All right. I guess we should move into our news. Talk about Catholic stuff. Let's talk about some Catholic stuff. Do you want to start? Where to begin? Well, I feel like I feel like we can't talk about anything until we talk about what's happening with our friend, Mr. Pope Francis. Right. So there are rumors mm-hmm. swirling, swirling that he may be retiring, which is wild for lots of reasons. Because if he does, and there's another Pope that's like three people who've been Popes all alive at the same oh, time. Sounds like a that mess. It sounds like some kind of like chaos. time loop or some, I don't know, the, the universe can't handle that. But as I read these articles, I feel as though everyone needs to take a deep breath because yeah. it seems so far like he's retiring he's retiring i'm like oh really tell me why and then i start reading i'm like okay he's in a wheelchair because he had knee surgery right which we have to talk about the knee surgery in a second we do need to talk about that yeah and then but the major like proof in quotation marks that he is retiring is that he is attending a feast that was initiated by a pope in the 13th century who resigned oh so there. <laughs> So that means he's resigning. So it's like secret Pope code. That's what there's. They're like, there's also, there's some other thing. Has anyone just asked him? Do we, they know he's a functional human being and you can just talk to him? It wouldn't be really <laughs> nearly as exciting. There's also something, there's some sort of like conference or something that doesn't usually happen in August and he's having it happen in August and everyone's like, why would you ever mm. have it in August unless you're planning on retiring? So all of these, every major news outlet seems to have covered this. I linked to The Guardian. It's all rumors and it's all so conspiracy fueled Yeah, that I'm like, why are you all covering this? I don't understand. Yeah, I feel like it's one of those things. I feel like that happens in the news where everybody covers some, you find some story that and you're like, oh, everyone covered that, but that was ridiculous. Why did everyone? It's just like, because it's getting clicks. Because there's a lot of Catholics out there and people want to know. I saw one of those headlines and I clicked on it and did the thing where I just like briefly glanced at the article. So don't really listen to me. Uh But the one I looked at said something about like people have kind of been saying this or talking about him being in ill health or not being fit to serve or blah, blah, blah and retiring early like since he became Pope basically. Yeah. And it reminded me of the way that Republicans talk about Biden of like, oh, he's not okay. He's. Yeah. As though their congressmen are all young. Yeah. As though their their guy in the White House was like functioning at any type of normal capacity. So to me, I, I'm just sort of like uh, my conspiracy mindedness is just like, oh, people are like starting this rumor because it's what they want. It's like the anti That's- it's the anti Francis people. 
Yeah. So, no. okay. I'm going to read this to you just so you, cause you just glanced at it. So I, it was a quick glance. I have to tell you. So first of all, the thing I was talking about is called a consist, consistory. These Catholic words. Where they make new cardinals. Oh, okay. I'm imagining a factory where little cardinals just pop out. <laughs> stamp, cardinal, stamp, cardinal. But it's who will get to vote in the next Pope. So like he wants to get in the good people he wants for voting. In. Uh. And then the day after the consistory, he's traveling to, okay, the tomb of Pope Celestine V, okay. who resigned in 1294. 1294. It's kind of a long time ago. After five months on the job. Where it gets interesting, Anne, oh. is that Benedict also visited the tomb in 2009. Before he retired. Where he left behind a garment. He then resigned in 2013. Now they're saying, ah, it was a signal. We should have seen it. Four years later? That's an early signal. That's like the person who turns on their left turn signal, like, you know, seven blocks away. That's a... <laughs> You know, they're rewriting some interesting history. So it just sounds like an internet conspiracy <laughs> theory. This sounds like QAnon. It's what it feels like. I'm like well, you know, connecting the dots and crazy eyes. <sighs> but since I also mentioned the wheelchair, I do have to mm-hmm. note yes. that. So yes, he had knee surgery. Sure did. I mean, as most, an older person does. Get- yeah, my grandmother had knee surgery in in those years. That's the time to have it. Yeah. But how did she manage her pain, Anne? (laughs) I hope she managed it in the way that Pope Francis says he's managing his. Which is with tequila. Tequila. With grandma, I think it would have been Southern Comfort, but similar thing. (laughs) Yeah. I texted Anne a picture of this as soon as it came through because I was dying. Everyone Mm -hmm. was. Was it seminarians that he told that to? I think so. Something like that. Yeah. The headline says... From Huff Post, Pope Francis says he needs some tequila for Sorni. The pontiff <laughs> had a chat with seminarians that took a spiritual turn of another kind. I think that's also him very much knowing his audience. It's a bunch of probably young dudes. And what's the thing that I learned on the reality show about nuns? Fellowship is Catholic for drinking. <laughs> Unlike some other Christians, Catholics are very pro-drinking. Yeah. It's totally fair game for making jokes about it, probably to a problematic degree, but there it is. There it is. Good for you, Pope Francis. So if he is retiring, maybe he's going uh, to go on a bender. Who knows what's what's in the future. He and Benedict cheersing with tequila. I feel like Benedict wouldn't drink tequila. No, me neither. He He, only drinks like Fernet. (laughs) I don't even know what that is. It's really herbally. That's probably good that I don't know what it is. (laughs) How about you? Do you have any Catholicism in the news? I do. I had the tequila thing. We could not talk about it. I've got several things. Oh, so this is an older one. I saw this post at a lot of places and I was like, all right, maybe I should watch it. It was this video of Mallory McMorrow. Did you see this? No, I like the name. I know. It's a great name. She's a member of the Michigan Senate. So she's a state senator. Oh, is this the lady with the headband? Yes, with the headband. Okay. Really great look with like a high collar and a headband. Just incredible. Red hair. And so she's responding to this both horrifying and idiotic thing that the right has done where they have rebranded the term grooming. Mm -hmm. So grooming, other than like grooming a dog, the other other (laughs) definition of grooming has to do with 
sexual predators so adults earning trust making them so seem harmless kind of yes that is the way that grooming is used when talking about the atrocity of sexual assault Mm -hmm. the right has decided that it means telling children that it's okay that some people are gay um telling children that racism is real anything that seems at all progressive to them which to me just seems like factual things like some people are gay (laughs) feels Mm -hmm. like a fact and that to me that doesn't feel political Mm -hmm. that they are trying to protect their children from which will do in fact quite the opposite because it leads to self-hatred etc with queer children for instance Mm -hmm. that that is quote-unquote grooming so reading a book that might have two dads they're calling that grooming so now they're accusing everyone i mean me, I guess, by default, because I'm an educator who will talk about those things um, sometimes in my oh. life. So from the article from The Guardian, Mallory McMorrow remembers the sting of being slandered by a colleague for wanting to, quote, groom and, quote, sexualize young children. That's what they're saying. They're accusing her because, I don't know, being OK with having like a book with two dads uh, in a ch- classroom so that the kid mm-hmm. with two dads maybe sees a family that looks like themselves. So she gave this great speech. So she says, who am I? I am a straight white Christian married suburban mom who knows that the very notion that learning about slavery or redlining or systemic racism somehow means that children are being taught to feel bad or hate themselves because they are white is absolute nonsense. Ah, So it was a, more about the race stuff. So I was like, oh, I love this person because this she really is me. She was. Um, yeah. Midwestern redhead, mom of little kids, raised Catholic. And at one point on my social media where you have your little bio, yeah, I wrote because it occurred to me that what I have become is a white suburban Christian housewife. (laughs) That I fall into all of those categories. Yeah. I'm the member of a Christian church. I'm a white lady. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I live in the suburbs. If you had told me, you know, in my early 20s, that was what I was going to become, I would have been horrified. And yet here we are. Right. I was thinking about it. I think it was in response to, I think Trump said something where he was like, come on, suburban women. Come on. Why don't you like me? Why aren't you voting for me? And I was like, oh, I'm suburban women. That's me. I'm yeah. a white Christian He's suburban housewife. And I think our idea of who those people are, you know, I think there's this idea on the right that those people are with are on the right, that that's who that is. And that there's an erasure of or of suburban moms that we must be Republicans like or we must be opposed to talking about racism with our kids because we're probably white or, you know, that we're opposed to talking about LGBTQ issues. I know queer suburban moms who are friends of mine. Yeah. So I think just her speech is incredible. It's really horrifying the way kids are being kind of used as pawns Mm -hmm. right now by the right, I think. And under the guise of like some kind of religious Christian, quote unquote, um, ideals. So Mm -hmm. I really appreciated her speech. And I was like, oh, this lady, she talks about being raised Catholic and talks about the Catholic social teaching that fueled her. And I was like, oh. I need to have coffee with this woman because I newly love her. Yes, that'd be lovely. Yeah. She's great. There's so much misogyny in all this because there's so about the the suburban, especially white woman who's supposed to be afraid of things or be protected. Mm -hmm. And there's this idea that, yes, others are her enemies (laughs) because it Mm -hmm. threatens her. And that, I mean, it, it comes up in, I think like 
the lust for true crime that sort of happens mm, in yep. right now too. And, and it inflames me <laughs> to think that as a Christian or a Catholic, you're supposed to stick to your own or not talk about tough subjects because it's so antithetical to the whole, like if you ask yourself, if you wear your bracelet and you ask yourself, what would Jesus do? He would be talking to everybody and he would be, you know, having everyone over for dinner. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I don't know what mental gymnastics. Yes, that's the word you have to go through to get yourself to believe your hatred is rooted in your faith. It is so sad to me like that looney tune woman from georgia speaking about politics for a moment who Mm -hmm. she lost her primary but her she had three bullet points on her bus and in order i believe it was it's either jesus guns babies or guns jesus babies was her platform and i'm like jesus and guns nope Just no, there's just like, you you cannot show me that in the Bible, like just doesn't happen in the Bible. No, it's the total opposite. And, you know, the cross was actually like a method of execution that executed Jesus. Yeah. Um, it wasn't meant for Christians to be wielding. There's also like, you know, those who live by the sword die by the sword. And uh, yeah, no, Jesus would have. I mean, I just want to be like, oh, so where, yeah, where is that? Can you remind me of the verse where Jesus, uh, you know, pick up your gun, needs and- to defend himself and carries weapons. Can you remind me of the part where he uh, picked himself up by his bootstraps and owned a couple of hotels by the end of the thing? He was a poor guy, mm-hmm. but he really, he really did it right. He really got rich because that's what you're supposed to do is deserve to have money. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It is a, such a perversion of what I think Christianity is supposed to be. And it's not new for people to be perverting what Christian, what I think Christianity is supposed to be. No. And from the very beginning, right. People took it. Yeah. But the American version currently on the right is pretty gross. Yes. And that includes some Catholics, sadly. And, but there, as we can see, there are folks like, like my buddy here, uh, Mallory, my buddy Mallory, yeah. uh, who mm-hmm. seemed to get some similar stuff from being raised Catholic that uh, that you got. That I got at least some of it. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Other things. Well, okay, let's do a heavier thing and then we'll do a lighter thing. So on that note, um, <laughs> speaking of guns and Jesus and babies. Oh. So I think oh. on the one hand, there are. There are lots of Catholics who vote Republican or lots of Catholic leaders who encourage people to vote Republican. Yep. What I have been at least a little heartened by is that with this recent absolutely horrific tragedy, uh, several of them, right? Buffalo and then in Texas. Finally, finally, I feel like people who have been silent are speaking out in the Catholic Church. So some of the headlines... In Religion News Service, Uvalde school shooting, faith leaders offer comfort, call for reform of gun laws. And that included Cardinal Supich of the Chicago Archdiocese, who I don't know a ton about. And I know that he has disappointed me on some things before, but at least that I appreciated that he was speaking out for gun reform. Certainly needed in Mm -hmm. Chicago as well. Uh, Or Illinois Mm -hmm. has decent laws, but we need it uh, in our neighboring states that we could literally walk to. Weapons that can cause grave damage aren't sacred. Texas Bishop fumes. That is from um, a headline from the Huff Post. And that was from Bishop Daniel Flores of Brownsville, Texas. And he 
is really fired up and good for him. Mm-hmm. Faithful America posted gun control is a pro-life issue and Father James Martin has been posting the same, an actual pro-life issue, if you ask me, <laughs> as opposed to being anti-abortion. Mm-hmm. Pope Francis talked about it. He said, my heart is broken over Texas elementary school shooting. Um, he talked about gun trafficking. I don't really feel like he got into the, like, this was a, a legally obtained gun. And so while mm-hmm. we do need yeah. to think about how to stem gun trafficking, it's also about who is legally allowed to be purchasing a gun. And then there's a great article in the National Catholic Reporter from May 20th that says Buffalo shooting should be a wake up call for white Catholics. And the author, John Garrig, kind of takes to task this odd union of Catholic leaders and the right wing and all the things that all the sort of racial dog whistles and the Christian nationalism, QAnon stuff, and just the sort of hatred that in some cases Catholics are taking on because because of abortion, I guess. Mm-hmm. Life is sacred. So yeah, that white Catholics really need to be thinking more critically about politically who we're supporting and what our values are and what does it mean to actually live out Catholic values. So, mm-hmm. you know, these are all just things coming up on my social media feed. And I do appreciate it's like maddening that it's taking this level of tragedy for people to even speak up and that people are still opposed to changing laws around guns. But I am appreciating Catholic leaders speaking up and Catholic writers speaking up Mm -hmm. in publications. Oh, there was also uh, an excellent article in the Black Catholic Messenger Mm. from our buddy Nate. I have something from them too today. Yeah. So I'll I'll link all of those in our show notes. That's great. I just, as you're talking, because this, I saw this picture recently because it goes both I'm afraid to look. You just sent me a link, and based on the description, I'm afraid to even click on it. Okay. I mean, this one didn't happen recently, (laughs) but it did happen. There was. Ew. Okay. Do you want to read it or should I? Yes. This is from 2018, but it has Mm -hmm. happened before. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, St. Michael Catholic Church in Wisconsin. Oh, of course it's Wisconsin. Sorry, Wisconsin. I love you, but come on. Okay. Right. Um, have a gun blessing. Oh, yeah. So this is a picture. It's a Facebook post. It's a picture of people. Oh, all the guns. It's all these people bowing their heads for a blessing. And there's just a long, oh my God, this is like perverse. There's a long, long table full of guns. And there's a priest in full vestments blessing the guns. These are white people. Mm -hmm. I don't think I needed to say that out loud, but in case anyone's curious, all white people. Last night's first annual, first annual gun and deer hunters blessing with Father Strand at St. Michael's Parish. Over 70 people attended and 50 plus guns were blessed. Blessings for a great gun season. What the hell? Now, yes, this was for hunters, but that image is a horrifying one to me. And again, and just like, how do you get up and talk about sanctity of life mm-hmm. while... <laughs> While blessing gun, it just it it is again the mental gymnastics is mind boggling to me, and I also one of the other things I wanted to talk about is Slate, which I keep going to for my for my news, my Catholic news. They just had an interesting sort of explanation of EWTN. Have you heard of that? Is that a Catholic news something? Eternal World Television Network. Yes. 
Oh, I feel like I saw a headline somewhere. Okay, tell me. Yeah, but basically it is... It's like right wing started by a nun. Am I correct about that? Yes, okay. yes, 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 yes. So it started off as like a place you could watch mass online and do rosaries with people. And then they added a news show portion. Mm. Yeah, it is. It's just Fox News for Catholics. But what's what's horrifying? Well, a lot of it about it is horrifying. Is um, it's basically the only Catholic news channel, and so it's like the major media outlet, and so that becomes the voice of Catholic Americans mm-hmm. in a lot of sense. So we're talking about like with Nate, our our guest from last week, and the Black Catholic Messenger. This like need for representation in the media and other voices like is really really important. Mm-hmm. I think both for practicing Catholics and for elapsed Catholics because. When the singular voice is this one, it gets rough. And Gloria Purvis, I don't know if you know that name. She now, I've talked about her before because she writes and has a podcast with America Magazine. Okay, yeah. Because she was fired from this uh, network. Okay. Because she, after uh, the murder of George Floyd, um, was talking about how police brutality needs to be something we talk about in the Catholic Church Mm -hmm. as well. Um, and they were like, all the cops are Catholic. We can't have that. Goodbye. Goodbye, basically. I want to link to this article because, again, because it's Slate.com, it's epically long. It took me like a whole week to read because <laughs> it's so hard to sit down and read it. But it's a really interesting article about their anti-Pope-ness mm-hmm. or anti-Francis-ness. Sure. sure. Like they were very pro-JP2 and anti-the liberal American bishops. And now that mm. is flipped completely. Mm. And so it's a larger question. And when I guess I kind of wanted, I wish we had, I had talked to, to Nate about or to other people about, what does it mean to be Catholic and anti the Pope? Because <laughs> I make that does not jive in my understanding. <laughs> yeah. I thought one of the big things about Catholics was A, Mary, and B, the Pope. Like, right. that's our thing. And three, communion's actually Jesus. So you can only have it if you're catholic and right. on the things that's a big one then there's a bunch of other things that, that we've covered but those are the big things that make the catholic church the catholic church i thought yeah yeah interesting well great i'm looking forward to reading that yes you said you had something light <laughs> oh sort of so this is actually this is not specifically catholic it is more of an article i read that made me rethink some things we talked about on a previous episode Ooh, I love rethinking. So this is from Atlas Obscura. Yes. This is actually an old article. So I'll be honest, it popped up recently. It's probably one of those things that was written and would like got a lot of clicks. So, you know, they threw it back up. This is actually from 2017. Oh, during Sin Week, whatever that is. Sounds fun. What? Sounds fun. So the headline is why it took scientists so long to figure out where babies come from. Human conception was still basically a total mystery. Until as recently as 1875. <laughs> <laughs> so I will, I'll t- sort of tell you their take and what they cover. And then I will also add some feelings about it and questions. Yes, please. So they are basically looking at historical documentation they have. Primarily and specifically, I would say like Greco-Roman and very much European and very much men talking about how they thought babies were made. And let me tell you, they were confused. Um, mm. There is, 
let's see there's a picture of studies of the fetus in the womb by leonardo da vinci and it's just it's all this stuff it's just not quite right um is that back when they thought the uterus like traveled around the body yeah so they cover that yeah that they thought the uterus favorite theory i mean what it really covers is how little we knew and we didn't you know, people didn't have good ways to preserve bodies. They didn't really have great ways to study bodies and totally understand what was happening. There was a while where they thought that I think a lot of people have heard this, at least that like the the sperm cell was the full human was right. Just, and that women just were a vessel. And just but all the older. all the, inf- the scientific information was in a sperm cell, which I don't know how they justified pe- children looking like their mothers, but I'm sure they came up with a way. Mm-hmm. You know, what they ask in the article is like, why did it take the greatest minds of the scientific revolution more than two centuries to resolve a mystery that every fourth grader today <laughs> could explain? Because they were mostly men. You know? Probably some of them were gay, too, if we're honest. So they weren't even having sex with wives or any other ladies. Oh, here's a quote. To start, they thought that God made people, not people made people. So it says they waited like a series of ever smaller Russian nesting dolls, one inside the other, in Adam's testicles or in Eve's ovaries. So basically they believed that like everybody, <laughs> everyone's oh my gosh. material was present in Adam and Eve and has somehow been passed down. I super love this. Theory. I just like... <laughs> like have an image of Adam's balls um, and just like a bunch of little people in there. <laughs> That's all I can now we have of. now we have you imagining Adam's balls. I'm sorry. Oh, I'll be over here thinking about that for a while. There's an illustration from 1694 of a tiny proto person inside a sperm cell, and I don't even know how to share it with you, but it basically like looks like a tiny person, almost like you know during a tornado drill or something like curled up in a ball except their head is just like a weird circle with like a diamond in the middle and they're inside a tiny little tadpole sperm cell oh they thought like there was literally a little person like a little person a teeny person this i wonder if this is why all the pictures of like jesus as a baby are like benjamin buttons i I took an art history class where i do feel like that was they just were like yeah artists just hadn't figured out like how to proportion people accurately they just didn't have (laughs) enough babies around there was concern about habitual masturbators and that they were basically just uh dysfunctional human beings and the catholics have always been a little obsessed with that one yeah that they couldn't, you know, walk or talk or speak or live normally because if you masturbated too much, that's what would happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just all this stuff about how no one knew where babies came from, basically. First of all, when I say no one, I mean these white guys um, until like 1875. Yeah. And then I was like, you know, this just it's I feel like this is a dimension of when does life begin and abortion that we didn't talk about. Because literally the stuff, I mean, it's been joked about that the stuff that, um, who was it who, who quoted, who talked about quickening and it's something from like the 1600s oh, the, or something. The guy Alito. It was Alito. Yeah. Referenced the guy who thinks women, witches should be burned at the stake and yeah. Yeah. The quickening. So just that quickening. the stuff we're looking at, I mean, we looked at the Catholic church and when people thought you know, life began and um, abortion was permissible versus not. People didn't even understand how babies were made or what was going on in there. So Mm -hmm. the Catholic church really relies on this long history to make these moral decisions. But like they didn't understand where babies came from. In fact, they were like very confused about it. 
So when we're looking at history and looking at precedent to make these decisions, it's like, please don't look at what Pope such and such said. People literally didn't know how babies were made. They don't get it. That's like asking, like, what did Pope, you know, whoever from the 1672 think about climate change? Like, no one knew these things. These conversations weren't happening. Mm -mm. So, yeah, just reading this, it's absurd. And it also, I saw in the comments, someone just said, um, women knew. (laughs) Which is just to say that, like, no one knew. I think what the article does not cover is, what about women? Also, what about everyone in the entire rest of the world? I was like, some countries in Asia or in Africa, Africa or the Mayans, indigenous like, Americans, right? Yeah. Like, like all of these people who actually had these complex systems of science. We don't know because guess what? The colonizers came in and like destroyed everything. Yeah. So yeah. if anyone happens to know about science elsewhere in the world, that was um, when they figured it out, yeah. when they figured out how babies were made. Let us know if you happen to be an expert on that type of a thing or have read a book. But yeah, it just gave me that additional context of like these MFers, like <laughs> they're looking at what Pope, whoever in 1642 said about abortion and like no one in the Western world, dudes, that Pope didn't know even how babies were made. So I'll link to that article because it's also just a little bit amusing what these dudes thought happened to make a baby. I think that's fascinating. I think that's all I had. Do you have any other news? Well, there's only one little thing, (laughs) but I did. I I thought I'd make an extra effort moving forward, not just to type in like Catholicism in the news to my search bar and go from there, but to look up the Black Catholic Messenger. Mm, Yeah. And there was a headline story about a teacher fired from a Catholic school in Decatur, Georgia. Um, and for a second, I was like, oh, my gosh, I think I went to that church. But I, it's Thomas More in Decatur. And I went to Thomas Aquinas in Roswell when I lived. Mm-hmm. I grew up at a Thomas More. More is spelled like M-O-R-E. It doesn't have two O's. No. Fun fact. It's like the word, please serve some more. Not like the normal some more. name. More. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anywho. Yes. But anyway, I was like, I know this area because, again, I moved a lot. And so I can almost always say that. I'm like, I lived there. Impressive. But there was a teacher who was fired who seems to, from what I can tell, have been well liked there. But his name is Victor Hicks. And they cited that his personal passion for HBCUs overshadowed the support for the school mission. And that was their uh, one of their reasonings for firing him. Oh, Jesus H. So basically, again, he liked historically black colleges too much. Basically, like just teaching about black culture. What is clear is that he had to submit lesson plans weekly. And so should anything have been amiss whilst the school year was going on there were plenty of time for him to have spoken with the higher ups Mm -hmm. but all of a sudden for them to be like you were doing this he's like you know what i've been teaching like so it's probably some of these parents who've been like freaking out because they read that crt is a thing do we think white parents are freaking out probably it's probably what's happening yeah i mean the school is 18 percent black okay but amidst his firing the school is left with only three African-American teachers. So, I mean, it's better the school I went to. I, I did not have one teacher of color until my sophomore year of college, which, yeah, even the Spanish teacher. Again, I, 
I feel lucky having moved. I had pretty good representation. Like That's things great. changed all the time. But yeah, you moved a lot. And you have to move a lot. You have to go. You have to have a wide pool to draw <laughs> from to get even male teachers, let alone racially diverse teachers. It's a whole. It's a whole thing. But I just feel like the theme. I maybe you can. This is what the theme for today's show is. It's like, how do you get there? How do you get there from Jesus' teaching to? Yeah. And I think that's the thing that has kept me <laughs> just by a thread identifying as Christian or at least a member of a Christian church mm-hmm. because I'm like irritated that everyone is, seems to be getting it so wrong. Not everyone. I'm irritated that, that that's the dominant narrative, particularly in the U.S., of what Christianity is. And I'm like, well, no, so I should like rather than just jump ship. I mean, I jumped ship on Catholicism, but it's like. I feel like I want to hold on because there are people, there are people, there are in the Catholic church and in other denominations being like, yeah, no guys, but like actually anti-racism is rooted in, in Christian theology, right. et cetera. And so I just, I feel like I need to, I need to hold on for that or that I'm interested in that. And I don't want to let the bastards win. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So I keep thinking about what Sharonda said on our episode. And it's something that one of the things that has resonated the most with me, because mm-hmm. my feeling since high school basically was like, oh my gosh, everyone that's talking at me from higher up, I can't get on board with your ship. I must leave it. I will mm-hmm. swim to another ship or a shore. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care what has to happen to me to get there, but I, ha- I cannot be on this ship. But the way she framed it, like I was born into this country. So I can never not be an American. Like, this is who I am forever. Even if you got citizenship somewhere else, renounce your citizenship, it's like, to some degree, you're just always... I will always be this. Yeah. And I feel like that's basically kind of like being raised Catholic. Yeah. Again, like, you can do all the things, um, right? You can have a schism with the church. I mean, but you're they claim you and you can leave. But it's shaped you and you're it's part of you. And so... As opposed to just being like, well, I'm leaving, bye, you all figure it out on your own. I don't know, what can you take with you and what can you reshape and what, like, just because their voices are so loud doesn't mean they're the right ones or that they need, like, they're they're actually the ones steering, I guess. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're going to keep this metaphor going. (laughs) It's a good metaphor. Thank you. I think, and this is why I really do want to talk to somebody who teaches at a Catholic school currently. Mm. So put that out there. I'm curious about how it would be to teach young Catholics how to question and how to lead from within, as opposed to just taking and repeating. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I think that would, I don't know, it's going to be useful. It's going to be interesting to see the next few generations of Catholics. Um, because we have from EWTN to our guest, Nate, like it could go so many different ways. Mm-hmm. So I'm fascinated. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that is why there is this absolutely inane sort of freak out moral panic on the right with this idea that encouraging children to think critically about the world or being honest about reality and history is somehow they want to equate it to literal sexual assault to like the worst type of behavior possible Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a reason that they're going to that histrionic degree i think because it is powerful like 
mm-hmm. telling kids the truth and encouraging them to think for themselves, mm-hmm. not indoctrinating, but doing those two things, the truth and critical thinking is powerful and it can really upset power structures. So yeah, I think that's a really important question. And I think different people are going to come away. You know, I once ran into someone in a work situation and it turned out he had grown up in the same little Catholic South Side world that I had and had gone to one of the boys schools. And it was like, wow, that's funny. And he said something like, you know, I look at these people and I'm like, you sat next to me in third grade. Like, how did we grow up with such different values? Mm-hmm. I think some of it, I mean, you could say like maybe it's home life and I don't know. I think kids are probably going to end up on different parts of the spectrum, but maybe it's more like, you know, where's the majority or where's what's the trend? And like the hope is that you end up with more critical thinkers and more folks willing to. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be the trend with young people, frankly, in general, is like they're yes. ready to take us to task on stuff. And I'm here for that. Absolutely. Like, yes, please correct me when I talk about gender. Like, yeah, I need that. Please. Mm -hmm. I'm an elder millennial. Sometimes I need a little steering. (laughs) (laughs) I did. I try to be progressive, but I did grow up going to Catholic school and, you know. Right. It's where my synapses formed and yeah. But it's all a process of learning, right? Like the minute you think you know everything, you know nothing. Someone said that once. No, it's super true. And I think that's the problem with many religious leaders, or I guess the people who make the news, I should say, is that it comes from a moral righteousness or imperative. Like we know the answers as opposed to what we've said we admire. I'm sure there are Jewish people who listen to this are like, you are oversimplifying, but- um, We will still get that. Your idea to have a rabbi on the show has stayed with me and we are going to do that. Really, really interested. But the idea of like- the concept of dialogue as opposed to mm-hmm. the black and white, I think is. Yes. You know what? I totally thought of you or our sort of repeated references to that recently. I heard an interview with John Mulaney, who <laughs> is in the news for all types of reasons recently. Some <laughs> maybe questionable. But anyway, he went to a, um, one of the Catholic schools in the area oh. with my cousin. <laughs> Um, I think my brother knew him at one point, like they were the same kind of comedy scenes. But anyway, he's just like a year or two older than me. He grew up in a different part of Chicago, but Catholic kid. But I guess in college, I didn't know this till I heard him recently on uh, what's the podcast with Jason Bateman and, you know, uh, Sean Hayes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He said that in college, he was a religion major, I think a double major, like theater and religion or something i'm probably getting that wrong but studied religion or theology i don't remember but not christian he studied judaism like that was his focus but he definitely grew up catholic and when they asked him why he was like yeah you know i just kind of like how the jewish point of view is kind of like eh, what do we know (laughs) we've talked about that i think as a catholic who has been given the answers growing up and was giving them in those little bite size and this is just how it is man there can be something so compelling about like oh no what if you just live in the questions and i think some catholics do that yes but I wouldn't say that's like the bedrock of Catholic education. At least it wasn't for me. Not, not, not my friend. Living in the questions. No, not my friend. Yeah. So thanks, John Mulaney. We feel the same, at least about that particular thing. We'll give you this one. (laughs) Oh, well, so speaking of people who are living in the questions and living in the margins of the church and making change, we got an email from a past guest, Father Anne. Oh, 
Yeah. Hi, Father Ann. So she wanted to know if we would amplify, and we will, and folks can can do it or not. She has a petition going on currently about ordaining women. It has to do with Pope Francis's, the synod that we covered, the synodality Ah, and getting perspectives, etc. And I saw she recently made a video for him. She's really asking him to seriously talk with women who have become priests and women interested in ordination. As like a sit down and talk? Yeah, like an actual conversation as part of this synod process, as part of reaching out to different voices. So she created a change.org petition. It doesn't feel combative. It feels very welcoming and it feels like an invitation to Pope Francis. Oh, good. So if folks are interested, I will link that in the show notes as well. Yeah. And we put a thing out on social media on an episode, like a short episode. We had a couple episodes ago, but we would still love to hear from you all because this is episode 25, our quarter life crisis perchance. Um, And we want to know a little bit more about what it is you've enjoyed about the show, what you'd like to hear more. You know, we've had interviews, we've gone deep into some history stuff. We got the Catholicism in the news. So we would love to know what it is that you want more of. Absolutely. In the spirit of dialogue and living in the questions. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to say we have all the answers. So let us know what you enjoy as well. You know, we're always looking for more guests. And particularly, we've said this before, voices in the margins, right? And that means outside of... We are two straight white cis ladies, and it's great. But uh, <laughs> other perspectives are something we're always looking for. So yes, people of color, folks who are queer, anyone who feels like you identify in the margins. And we just want to remind you, if you were raised Catholic, we want to hear from folks who were raised Catholic or from folks who went to Catholic school. You do not necessarily have to be at all involved in the Catholic Church currently uh-uh. to participate in this conversation, because we pretty much aren't. It's those, I mean, the raised Catholic stories, are, that's where the comedy is, so. I agree. And the tragedy. It's both. It's both of those, the drama masks. Right. As a reminder, we now have a voicemail, so you can call us 505-6-LAPSED and leave a message, uh, and we can play it on the show. You can also reach us at lapspodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Lapspodcast.com is our website collection basket this week i was thinking doing every town again love it i think yep (laughs) largest gun violence prevention organization in america checking them out donating also a reminder at least where i am our elections are coming up the primaries in illinois in june we had ours check if you have primaries coming up and if you do this call from a lot of catholic leaders all of us could take to heart which is think about your values and really look critically at who is uh Who's going to make laws that reflect those values? And and don't forget to vote because it's easy to forget, especially if if you're supposed to vote in the summer. Yeah, because you could be at Disney. Could be at Disney. <laughs> I'm st- I'm voting. It's happening after. Just FYI, everyone, I'm voting. Don't worry. <laughs> well, I guess that's it for this week. Thanks, Steph. Yes. Thank you, right. Anne. Well, also with you. Also with you, Anne. 